I want to spend the next 10 minutes. Now, get your machine on. And I want you to tell me in just a second, what was the most beautiful thing your mother ever told you that has stuck with you till today? Something that when she said it to you, yeah, ma, uh, mm. yeah, you, you know, you know, mothers, mothers can be nudges, you know. Now, what did your mom say that stuck to you till today? Matter of fact, let me tell you something. What she said formed character in you, and you didn't even know she was doing it. What, what, what is there? Tell me just, just a phrase, just a sentence, just an idea, no sermons. That's mine. You're just going to tell me. I, wa I want to know. Anybody? Who's first? Who's first? Yes, darling. Loud. Get up loud. Yes. Ha. Ah. Yes. Ah! <laughs> Listen to what she said. Well, uh, say it again. Say it again. There's the mic. I want everybody to hear it. I, yeah. I was telling Pastor that my mother used to tell me that everything would come in time because I wanted to do everything real quick. And I say that to my daughter. And my yeah. daughter looks at me the way I used to look at my mother like, you don't know what you're talking about. And like she has two heads. Like I have two heads. <laughs> that is one of the greatest lessons. Todo a su tiempo. Everything in its time. Okay, who else has a miracle word for us? Come on. Come on. This should be popcorn and it should be bursting off the top of Mother used to always say, uh, love people like you want to be loved. Wow. Love people like you want to. That's heavy, dude. I got goosebumps on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Because you got to know God to give those. Who else? Come on, quick. Quick. Nobody. All right. Go, go up. Run up and down, brother. Like it were a circus. That's it. I want it, I want it like popcorn. Go ahead. When I was about 14, my, my household was a shambles. Yes. Nobody in my family knew the Lord. And uh, I remember wanting my parents to split up because we just couldn't live in the house together anymore. And they were talking about it. And one night my mother pulled me aside and said, I took a vow before the Lord with your father that I was going to stay married. And she said, it's going to take a whole lot more than anything going on here that's going to split us up. So we're going to stick it out. And my father hasn't had a drink in 25 years, and they're still together. Oh, so glory. It's stuck in my heart. Yes. You've got to stick it out, the good times and the bad. Amen. A mother that believed in God's covenant in marriage stuck it out, saw her husband sober up, and they're still together. Wow. Yes, my good brother. Um, I came to the Lord very young, but it was still you know, new to me. But my mother encouraged me by saying, remember the creator in the days of your youth and it yeah. didn't make much sense then but now that i'm over 40 i thank god for her amen anybody else put up your hand go ahead that's it Todo que el hombre sembrare, eso también segará. all right whatever a man sows that's what he's going to reap you know that that's a little chilling the only thing is when you're young you don't believe it so many things you don't believe when you're young, but that's God's truth. Anybody else? 
Um, Anybody else? My mother okay. went on to be with the Lord seven years ago, and I'll be celebrating her anniversary soon. But right before she passed away, she mailed me a letter. And in it, she said, time heals all wounds. But the Lord, there's nothing like the Lord who heals everything. Wow. Beautiful. Okay. Two points. Yes, sir. First, that she never stopped praying. Amen. During her entire Christian life. Yes. For the salvation of all her children. And that has been accomplished. The second, as a young man, unbeknownst to me until I became an adult, she would check my arms constantly to see if I was using drugs. And I consider that to be love. Yes. Amen. Anybody else? Okay. All right. And there and here, and then I'll go, I'll take over. Oh, unless you got a real stirring my one. My mother always shared with me to love your enemy. And then she always reminded me how it was like burning hot coals on their heads. Instead of doing wrong to them, just to love your enemy. Wow. That's heavy duty. Amen. Yes, we have one more, my precious lady in yellow and white. I remember one time when I was in Puerto Rico and that I was very young, but a little girl, and my mother and we were very, very poor. And my mother was crying because she didn't have nothing to give us to eat. And it was raining so hard that day. And she was praying in her own way. And all of a sudden, this lady knocked on the door with a, with a plate of food. And she said to me, you know, never, never doubt that God, God will provide when, when you're in great need. Amen. Amen. There's a young man back there. And is someone here? No? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, David. Um, my mom used to share with me something that it was in Spanish, and I didn't quite know what it meant for quite some time because she used to sing it. And um, I found out, you know, as I grew older, that she always wanted me to lift my eyes into the hills from whence, uh, yeah, cometh my help. I know, do I? Yes. I'll give it to you in Spanish. I'll say, mis ojos a los montes, de donde vendrá mi socorro. Mi socorro viene de Jehová. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Now, oh, anybody else? No, I don't want to leave anybody sad. Okay. I, uh, I got a tear in my eye when Bob got up because I was talking to him the other day. My mother never needed church, and she was always in church, because my mother had church every day. My mother got up every morning with her Bible and her hymn book. And until she sang two hymns and sang a few choruses, read her Bible, and then prayed for all of us by name, and she'd go down the list. This she did from the day I remember her until the day she died. She would go through this whole, and I used to look in the room and say, my mother's have, mama, I, I laughed. They used to say, mi mama tiene culto. Mama no necesita iglesia, tiene culto. And you know, my mother has a service. She's, it's going on right now. And she always had extra hymn books and she always had extra Bibles if you wanted to join her. We didn't join her. She was always alone. But hey, we've joined since. And we praise the Lord for that. Hallelujah. Uh, I, I want to say something. 
the scripture that's used today in your bulletin. And I, I will read this little poem because I think it's, it's, it's beautiful. Dear Christian mothers, sing your praise through all your busy, happy days to God our Father, kind and good for all the joys of motherhood. For that we babe with smiling charm that softly nestles on your arm. For childish laughter gay and sweet, the sounds of little scampering feet. For that young precious merry mite who walks with hands in yours held tight. And for the all others older grown who've learned to proudly walk alone. For blessings often mixed with tears as they mature through passing years. And that deep joy that naught can dim when children give their hearts to him. Fear not the coming day to face, for God will give you strength and grace. And hers shall be a great reward who trains her children for the Lord. Amen. Our children have a hard time with us, isn't it the truth? I think of the, of the situations... Uh, in life and somehow I say oh God if we would if we would listen to mothers if we would listen I, we, we would have learned so much more I, I've had busy on my mind the caning of the boy in Singapore I think the people from Singapore must have come to New York City or Chicago, or L.A., and must have seen how beautiful our cities are with all our graffiti. And I'm being sarcastic as I can be. We have a whole city, a whole nation painted up. We can't catch them day or night. And so one of our smart alecky kids goes over there and says, hey, he's going to do a New Yorker. And they stop him. And even the president calls up. Bendito sea el Señor. I'm sorry if you don't agree with me. I, I, that's okay. You, you know, you don't have to. We've never fought over words. You say, and, that, that, and because of President Clinton, from six it went down to four. From four. If, if he keeps screaming, maybe it goes, no, it's over. It's over. He got his four. And he's doing satisfactorily. Uh, I, what, what I want to say, and what I want to say with all of my heart, is I'd rather go by what the Bible says than what anything people say. You know, after World War II, the soldiers came back, whether they came back from Japan or whether they came back from Europe or whether they came back from Okinawa or Saipan or any of the islands of the, of the, of the Pacific, anywhere, they came back with a mentality which was quite warped. And the warped mentality was that their children would get everything they never had. And every, every GI was very proud of the fact that his kids were going to have everything. And so Long Island was built up and a levee town came to, to face it. And we gave our kids everything. And we are faced today with mass murders. We are faced today with mass violence. We are faced today with the ugliest situation a nation has ever seen. 
Do you realize we have more people in prison than anywhere in the whole wide world? That's a shock. That is frightening. America the free. I, I, when I start to read statistics, and I know because I worked for 10 years in the correctional facilities of, of the United States, my heart just, uh, you know, if we don't get back to real law and order, which is the good book and the precious God, the good God and the good book, we're not going to get off too easily because we are living in the worst stages of time. And you say, well, what, what, what does bringing up have to do with that? Well, it's a concept of life. You give a kid everything, the first thing he finds out is he doesn't have to work. Mom and pop can provide it all. That's the first thing. Uh, and, and from then on in, I, I can't even start to tell you. I can't even start to tell you the horrors of bringing up children void of God. I can't even start to tell you why. Because the fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want a kid with a little bit of brains. You want a kid with a little understanding. You want a kid that knows how to make decisions. You want a kid that although he struggles, he moves toward character. He's got to have God. There is no other way. There is no other way. There, there is a morality out there. There are cultures out there. Uh, that teach people how to behave and how to be good. But basic, it's not enough to teach because there needs a transformation of heart and life. And that comes only when we're close to God. I praise the Lord this day. And I thank God for the fact that our children need help. And that help has got to come from mothers and fathers. And sometimes mothers are missing and sometimes fathers are missing. And this is where I feel the church picks up such a tremendous slack. And may God give us grace. Uh, in the Love Express, they asked me to write an article on family. And there are some upstairs that the ushers bring them down. And uh, just take it home and read it. It's, uh, it's an article that will bless your heart about family. And I include in, in, in three full paragraphs uh, the single parent family. Because we seem to forget that there are homes that are separated, there are homes that have divided long time, but that that single parent must find a very welcome place in our church, must find a place where we're willing to help them and help their children. And this is why we teach the truth, and we send it home. And the kids come up with their little brown paper bags from the basement. Uh, don't just take it and put it in their room. Ask them what it was about. Ask them what that had to do. Uh, why did they paint that picture? Why did they bring up uh, what they brought up? They'll know. They were taught. It makes me laugh. We have a precious friend, Ron. Uh, no, God, here we go again. Bill Steiger. He's a beautiful Jewish man. We love him so dearly. And his, uh, his boy came up from our basement. And it was the day, uh, day, uh, week after Easter. And the lesson downstairs was resurrection. And then he came up, and he was heartbroken, and he told, he told his father, Daddy, I got something to tell you. He said, God died. God died. <laughs> so Bill says, are you sure he died? He says, yeah, God died. The teacher told us, and this is where he died. And then I looked at the picture, 
because one picture was like, like, like the cross, but the other picture was the grave, okay? I said, but, but Jordan, that's his name. Jordan, he rose again. That's, that's the empty tomb. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he rose again. But that wasn't important. What hurt his heart was that he died. And I thought to myself, talk about children. Talk about the receptiveness. Talk about the, they're sponges. And we go, God's going to help us. All right. Now, the thought I have for you today, listen to this. This is in the book of Proverbs. And it talks about the mother. It talks about the woman. Proverbs 31. Uh, and we're going to start with uh, the 25th verse. Proverbs 31, 25. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Bless his holy name. Hallelujah. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. In other words, she's not twisted and she's not out of it. She's not living on the stock market or on the Dow Jones. She doesn't care. Not that she doesn't care, but she's, she's going to laugh at tomorrow. Why? Because her strength is in the Lord. Do you understand what I mean? Not frazzled. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household. Ladies, mothers, you're in charge. You have a mandate. You are the commander-in-chief of that household. So don't let them run over you. Don't let them step on you, push you. No way. You're in charge. And she does not eat bread of idleness. It's not a lazy lady. Matter of fact, mothers have many hats today. And they wear them well. Now listen to this. Her children rise and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. That is volumes for the role of motherhood. You surpass them all. I love that. Charm is defective. Uh, I'm sorry, deceptive. And beauty is fleeting. Isn't it the truth? Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking of all the help you need as you grow older. Oh, young girls, enjoy your pretty faces, complexions, and eyes that can see, <laughs> and a body that doesn't need too much help. Ay, 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 senor. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, very fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. There's the secret. There's the secret. The secret isn't staying young. The secret isn't making yourself more beautiful. If it helps, use it, do it. But the secret is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned. And let her works bring her praise at the city gates. And who sits at the city gates? Her husband. 
And they look at her and they say, Sir, you have quite a wife. And you read this 31 chapter, you see this woman's in charge of everything. She can sell, she can buy, she can go out and even buy property and does it well. Her light doesn't go out and that's a spiritual, that's a spiritual truth which is so powerful. What does it mean your light don't go out? It's that God's light is in you all the time. You're able to see. You're able to see. And you're able to keep, oh, listen, a mother's vigils way into the night. Way into the night. I, I, I developed a paranoia about the welfare of my children. Uh, developed the fear of driving. And they were all, they were all 16-year-old drivers and sneaky 15-year-old drivers. I mean, no license, no nothing, and they were off with the car. But, uh, and I was always, and I, I, I remember being so frightened that I would literally get sick when I knew they went on long trips. When I, well, you, what I was doing was overshadowing them with my fears. You know, when you've been in six or seven accidents, uh, you just, uh, there is a situation, a mental situation, which, is, which isn't too healthy. And uh, I have had to learn, listen to what I've had to learn. I've had to learn to turn it over to the Lord because I want to live a few more years. I want to live calm. I want to live peaceful. So they're going to Japan. Who cares? Señor, llévalos. Take them, Lord, and bring them back. And if in the interim they go, Dios dio, Dios quito, bendito sea el nombre del Señor. And they're going with the Lord. I have, I have no fears. I have no fears. My children will go with the Lord. And, and that has to be your sense of security because it's terribly important. Because mothers lived, live a time where, where your nerves are all at edge. They borrowed the car. They went out at night. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. They're not home. Where are they? And then, you know, all the headlines, crazy people out there. So what can I tell you? But trust the Lord with all your might and with all your understanding. It's a big job. It's a tough job. And what I love about this job is that when you're telling your kids all of that, the only thing I used to get is, oh, ma. I don't know. My kids must have been brought up on some kind of farm because they never spoke English. Ah, oh, oh. Mm. They were grunters. Please, ma, please. You know, the pleasers with their eyes open and their shoulders dropped. Yeah, please, ma. And I, I just, uh, but that's okay. That's okay. What's nice about living today is that they're all in their own houses. They have their own wives or husbands. They drive their own cars. And I couldn't care less. <laughs> really. Really. Not one of my grandchildren have ever run up to me with love. Never. I've never had a grandchild go, Ay, abuelita. No, no, no. My grandchildren go, oh, <laughs> Then I hear their, their parents say, go give grandma a kiss. They have to sweat out the kisses to grandma. But listen, listen, it's okay. You know why it's okay? Because I know God is in their lives. I don't live off of what anybody gives me. I live off of the grace of God. He loves me. So my love is really satisfied. I'm overflowing with love because of my God. And I have to tell you these things because it's important to me. 
Like some people say, you know something, you're like, you're like indifferent. No, I'm not indifferent. I'm just never seeking anything from anybody. My God fills every ounce of my life, every ounce of my world, every ounce of my existence. Uh, am I a special person? No, I'm not. This is open for every believer. This is open for everyone that loves him. You say, well, it makes you a little detached. Well, we're different in personalities, but it doesn't mean you love less. You love with the same intensity. You love with the same joy. You love with the same. But the thing is that we don't cling to it for a satisfaction. I don't need a satisfaction. What I need to know is that they're well. What I need to know is that they're walking with God. What I need to know is that they love the Lord. And should I not see them for years? I once said preaching about 18 years ago. If my children were picked up and thrown away, by that I mean taken away, and ended up on five continents of the world, my only prayer would be that where they fall, may they rapidly have a circle around them of people that have believed in Jesus Christ. And it's interesting because that's just the way it's been. Wherever my children are, they're preaching the gospel, they're winning souls to Jesus. And this is, this is, this is gigantic, this is marvelous. You couldn't ask for anything else. Two little stories two mothers in the Bible. The first mother I want to talk to you about is, her name is Anna. She is the lady that was married to a man who had another wife. It was permissible. Okay, so none of you gentlemen think of a trip anywhere. Okay, <laughs> or if you have them, you don't have them by divine permission. <laughs> you took your own permission. <laughs> no, but let's, let's talk serious. Now his other wife, gave him children. And she would look on Anna and she would just say, Ooh, I'm the one blessed of God. I'm the one getting the children. And every time she gave birth, she would just look at Anna and say, once again, God. Oh. And Anna was heartbroken and she would cry. And Elkanah, her husband, would come into the room and say, honey, what are you crying about? I give you everything you need. You're well provided for. I, you don't lack my love. You don't lack my attention. What is it? And she said, oh, you know, her need was to have a child. And I love his answer. This is the most romantic man in the world. He says, you're more to me than 10 children. Yahoo. Isn't that beautiful? I think it is. Forget it. You could give me 10 boys. I, I, that's how much I love you. Oh, how precious. How precious. But Anna wasn't satisfied. Because always remember that in Israel, the woman whose womb was closed was a woman that lacked a certain blessing from God. So she went to church, and she would go when nobody was in church. And the priest was at the door, and he'd be sitting on a chair. And he was sitting there, and he watched her come in, and she would come to the altar. And she would pray with such intensity, and she would cry buckets of tears. You couldn't hear her voice, but she would just twist and turn and rock and pray and twist and turn and rock and pray. The priest looked at her and says, hey, wait a minute, this, this lady, there's something wrong with her. It's too early in the morning. She's up there talking to herself. I'm going to fix her up. So when Anna's leaving the church, the temple, Eli pulls her over, the priest. He says, do me a favor. Don't come here filled with new wine. Don't come into the church drunk. 
It's not a way to come to church. She said, oh, my God. She said, sir, I'm not drunk. It's just that my heart is crying out to God. I, I want a child. And Eli looked and realized, wow, I made a mistake. She's not drunk. She does want a child. And then Eli prophesied and sent her home. By next year at this time, you'll have your child. And she went home. She got pregnant and didn't show up again for almost four years. Three and a half years, she didn't show up again. Because when she was crying at that altar, one of the things she said to God is, if you give me a son, I'll bring him back to you. I will give him as an offering to the temple. So the scripture says that when he was, in Spanish it's destetado, uh, when he no longer breastfed, and I imagine he was potty trained, she picked him up and she brought him to the temple. Now here is a, a four or five year old young man and he's walking to church with his mother. And she noticed he's walking different because she's got like a little suitcase. She's got like a little, a little pouch with all of his things. And she goes to Eli. Can you imagine the priest? This is the most interesting story in the world. She walks in and she said, do you remember me? No, I'm old. I don't remember anybody. Well, I'm the late. Oh, oh, yes. And this is my son. And until he was weaned. And until he was ready, I told you I would bring him to God's house. So here he is. He's yours. First of all, he's got two sons that are bandits. He doesn't even want to know about them. And they're somewhere God knows where. And in comes this little five or six-year-old, and he's going to live with Eli. And I can, I, I can hear Eli say, listen, you, you know, we make promises to God, but you don't have to keep them. Because that, that, that was like a spiritual promise. So you brought him, I'll lay hands on him, we'll pray for him, you take him home. No, oh no, no, no. This, this is an offering to God. And when Eli realized, he had to find a little room in a little cot. And he says, okay. He says, now wait a minute, I've got to give this kid some work to do. So they let him light the candles that lit up the temple. And that was his first job. Isn't that, isn't that sweet? Little boy lighting up the candles. Can you imagine everybody coming in to see the priest say, hey, who's this kid? New altar boy. <laughs> That's what he is. He says, well, where did you get him? Well, he kind of told the story. Hey, every mother you pray for is going to bring their kids here. You're going to have a kindergarten. <laughs> no, no, no. This is, hey, come on. Leave, leave him. He's, he's, he's good. He's good. He helps me. Eli's growing old. He's a very, very fat. And he's, he's, he's in his last days and having a lot of trouble. What a blessing that little boy must have been to him. And there he was. And God started to speak to Samuel because his name was Samuel. Forgive me. Anna's child was called Samuel, placed in the temple. Then God started to speak to him. And God would wake him up at night, Samuel. Samuel. And he thought it was Eli needing him. So he'd run right into Eli and he'd tap Eli. He says, I I'm here. Uh, is there something you want? And Eli opened one eye and says, kid, do me a favor. Go to sleep. I haven't called anybody. Now this happens three times. 
And finally, even Eli realizes, hey, wait a minute. There may be something to this. So then Eli says, well, listen, the next time you hear the voice, don't come to me. Just say, this is your servant. Speak to me. Can you see little Samuel looking at, this is your servant. Speak to me. Yeah, just say that. The voice came again. And didn't God speak to him? He told him all about the condition of the temple. He told him all about the condition of Eli's sons. He told him everything. And it was so unbelievable. And the next morning he went and told Eli. And Eli knew it was of God. For no one knew those things. And much yet yet for a young mansebo, a little boy, a young boy to understand. So from the very beginning, not only was he a gift from God to Eli, then he became a prophetic voice for Eli, who no longer was connected as he should be connected. And his life, from then on, I want to share this with you. Samuel became the greatest statesman Israel ever had. Samuel became the mediator between God and a country. Samuel became the voice of God in a theocracy. In a theocracy, in other words, where God dominated the, the, uh, los asuntos, the business angle of the whole of Israel. There was Samuel, the greatest statesman Israel ever knew. He was a statesman. He was a prophet. He was a man of God. A little boy, almost abandoned in the temple, with an old, decrepit priest falling apart and got to the highest statue. And even when the country asked for a king, he felt so hurt and God spoke to Samuel, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. So let them, we'll give them what they want. But what, what, the beauty of this, a woman of prayer can change the whole wide world. A woman of prayer gets answers from God. Men of prayer also. Don't, don't, don't leave yourselves out. But in this particular case, it was Anna. And a woman that knew how to pray. The intercessory prayer, the prayer of praise and thanksgiving. And also the prayer, the prophetic prayer. In which you're so close to God that the Spirit prays through you. It's absolutely unbelievable. Now the next lady I want to talk about, her name is Eunice. Now that's a New Testament lady. If you don't know her, she's Timothy's mother. And Timothy was a young fella, the young strapping fella. And must have been about 25 when Paul met him. And by the time he was 30, he was a young man preaching the gospel and loving God. And wherever Peter, uh, I'm sorry, wherever Paul was in trouble, wherever Paul was tired, wherever Paul needed uh, some extra books, a coat, whenever Paul needed consolation, he called for Timothy. His mother Eunice taught him all about serving the Lord. And when this man of God appeared on the scene, the greatest of the apostles in terms of teaching, in terms of showing us what the church is, there was Timothy by his side. Timothy was a product of a praying home. His mother's name was Eunice, and he had a grandmother that helped. Her name was Loida. These two women together brought forth a son that moved the whole of Asia Minor and helped. Listen to this. He helped proclaim the gospel 
to the entire civilized generation of his day. Couldn't be more, right? So what can I say? She gave a boy character. There's another young man in the Bible uh, that worked with Paul, but he couldn't make it. And thank God, because later, God strengthened him, and it was Mark. Mark. Mark was the one that says, oh, yeah, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going with Paul. Yes, yes, Paul needs me. I'm going with Paul. And once the stonings got tough, and once the walk got tough, Mark says, I'm going home. I want my mama. And he did. And it caused a separation between Paul and Barnabas. But that's okay. Because then Paul took on another companion, Silas. And uh, Barnabas uh, took Mark. And it worked out well. There are some things that work out well. But I want you to think of Timothy. A boy brought up by his grandmother. Brought up by his mother. A boy that delved in character, loved the Lord, and got to love the Apostle Paul and be his strength in the neediest time of his life. Did he need Timothy? Well, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have half the books of the New Testament if it weren't for how close Timothy guarded the writings of his master, Paul. And I thank the Lord. For these two women, you may be bringing up a Timothy. You may be bringing up a Samuel. You say, no, lady, in my house, they're all, what can I tell you? One mother says to me, my kids are all demon-possessed. I says, no, honey, they're not. They're not. It seems that way to you. You know, when you're tired, I always remember when my mother was most tired, most tired, I always used to say to her, mommy, why don't the stars fall out of the sky? Mommy. Why doesn't the moon fall out? Well, I didn't know why it didn't. And I didn't know how it hung there. My mother wasn't a scientist. She was very tired. She washed her clothes in the tubs with sea lock soap that had lye in it. I mean, this is the way you did it. 60 years ago, 70 years ago. What can I tell you? And there I'm standing pulling on her dress. Why? Why, Mama? Why doesn't that happen? My mother looked at me and knew I was honestly asking a question, so she gave me an honest answer. Hijita, nada se cae porque está pegado con chicle. <laughs> Nothing falls from heaven because God's got it stuck with the bubble gum. Well, you know, if you're a kid and you've chewed enough bubble gum, you'd almost think you could uh, hold the world up with bubble gum. And I went away scratching my head. I don't know if I believed it or if I didn't, but at least she put me into shock. And I, I, I thank the Lord for, wow, my mother knows a lot, you know. And I went on. But I thank God for every mother in this room. I thank God for every mother that's come through the doors of Crossroads. I thank God for the mothers that will be coming to be with us. May God make us an oasis where many Samuels are born. Oh, where many Timothys are born. And let me add to this, where many Deborahs are born. Women warriors, where many Eunices, uh, Eunices are born, where many Lloyds are born. May God make us this special place where we teach the truth of God's love and power. Amen.